Hello Sequel Questers! This is a preview of what we are looking at doing once a month in 2019 on weeks where there's no live show. Bring you into the vault and catch one of our classic episodes to relive and share in the fun. Sequel Quest Classics! While we are out at the theaters this month, hitting hard all of the marvelous movies out there, no pun intended, Spider-Man in the Spider-Verse, Aquaman, Mary Poppins Returns, so many sequels, even Bumblebee. Are they good? Are they not? We will come back with a review here shortly, so stay tuned and enjoy this classic from December of 2016. that dares to imagine sequels to your favorite films and movie franchises. A journey into the realm of cinematic possibilities. With your hosts, Adam, Jeff, Justin, and Jeremy. Let the adventure begin now. Tell you what I'm going to give you, listener. I'm going to give you to the count of 10 to get your iPod, smartphone, or other listening device tuned to the Sequel Quest podcast so we can pop your ears full of fun. One, two, <laughs> ten. <laughs> hey, hey, it's the Christmas episode of Sequel <laughs> Quest. Deck the pod with boughs of holly. It's time to start. Oh, you oh, made it. Now. Made it through the snow, made it through the crowds at the airports. You've joined us for a fun family adventure time tonight. Uh, and uh, I am uh, Adam, one of your uh, your many hosts, and your distant cousin, twice removed. Over here, we have Uncle Jeff. Hey, not actually an uncle. <laughs> and we have that that guy jeremy who seems like he's like a member of the family because he's always there but is he really related say hi i am that red-headed stepchild <laughs> <laughs> it's true oh now uh we are excited to have you here for the holiday episode we mentioned christmas but happy hanukkah happy kwanzaa happy uh hey if you're a Festivus fan, celebrating Festivus for the rest of us, go ahead. Yeah, but this is a it, this is a fun time of year. We're excited to to always get together, give you another uh, a series of movie pitches, a talk about some films that we love, and I think this is one this week that is uh, absolutely beloved, not just you know in the United States but worldwide. Uh, we're talking about 1990s Home Alone. 
Uh, brought to you by uh, 20th Century Fox, starring Macaulay Culkin, Catherine O'Hara, Joe Pesci, Daniel Stern, John Candy, and a cast of thousands. There's so many other uh, you know small characters that make a big impact throughout the film. But written by John Hughes, of course, you know, Pretty in Pink and Got Your Breakfast Club and any number of uh, other classic teen films of the 80s. Uh, also directed by Chris Columbus. Now, guys, Chris Columbus, does that name ring a bell for you as far as his oeuvre, his his uh, you know, significant, I feel, contribution to film and movies? Can you think of what well, he's been involved in? Don't we have that backwards? Isn't it directed by John Hughes and written by Chris Columbus? No, it's no. actually flipped, which is strange. You know, John Hughes often was writing and directing, known as a director, but in this case, this is actually the fun fact about this. Chris Columbus was the original director of National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation, the Chevy Chase classic. Um, and what happened was he, uh, John Hughes wrote that, uh, but uh, Chris Columbus and Chevy Chase had personality clashes on the set. So Chris Columbus ended up quitting that movie. Uh, they brought someone else on to finish it. Uh, but then John Hughes liked Chris Columbus so much, he said, well, I just wrote the script Home Alone. Why, you, you want to direct that? And so, you know, that that's kind of how that came to be, how he was involved. But but what do you know about Chris Columbus, Jeff? Because you, you seem to think he was a writer. What do you know that he's written? Yeah, well, I know he's a writer. He's he's a great – he's a big fan of I'm, – I'm a big fan of his. I mean, his his – the one everyone's going to know him from is he did direct the first two Harry Potter movies, which mm -hmm. I personally like the most anyway because of his, his uh, I don't know, vision or, or spirit to it. But, uh, yeah, he had a lot of uh, uh, writing credentials as well. But you're right. I, I I guess I always had this one backwards that I always thought Chris Columbus had this. I thought I always thought this was his first writing credit. Oh, really? No, because I mean, he wrote Gremlins, he wrote The Goonies, he directed Adventures in Babysitting. I mean, Chris Columbus, you know, in the 80s, he, he was working, he was doing a lot of stuff. So, you know, you, you may not, you know, the name, obviously, a very famous name, <laughs> but if you're attaching it to his uh, his popular, you know, pop culture films, there, there they were. Um, well, and even with this movie is that this movie is a John Hughes film. It's not a Chris Columbus film. It's correct. presented as a John Hughes film. Yeah, because he wrote um, and directed and produced it. Yeah, exactly. And he was the name because everybody, you know, that, you know, especially coming out of the 80s where John Hughes was a household name and Chris Columbus less so. Right. And that's what's interesting. You know, speaking of you know kind of unknowns that became knowns. Right. You know, you have. uh it's kind of interesting. Macaulay Culkin, I actually watched the E! True Hollywood story about him from years and years ago. And it was so interesting to watch kind of how he just moved up for being a kid who got drafted into a play when he was six, you know, living in New York. And then basically like he ended up in this movie Rocket Gibraltar, which I'm sure nobody has ever heard of. But for some reason, my family owned it growing up on VHS. And it's this weird about this like dying grandpa at the end. He gets sent off on a funeral pyre. It's really strange. But uh, but Macaulay Culkin is that was his first movie. And then he was in Uncle Buck, which a lot of people probably know him from that John Candy film, which, again, John Hughes wrote and uh, directed. 
And then, you know, they basically, uh, John Hughes is like, okay, Macaulay Culkin's the one you want for Home Alone. And Chris Columbus is like, ah, I don't know. You know, that's nice you have that recommendation. I feel like we need to audition just to be sure. And so, like, they, they audition, like, hundreds of kids. And then they finally like, yeah, you're right. This Macaulay Culkin kid, he's the one, you know. And it's so strange because, obviously, he was a phenomenon at the time. But he only got just so you understand how quickly his star rose. He made he got a hundred thousand dollars for this first Home Alone film in 1990, and in 1992 when Home Alone two came out, four point five million dollars <laughs> is what wow. he was worth, which is crazy. But it makes sense because this movie it cost eighteen million dollars to make because they didn't know it was going to be a hit. They didn't know John Hughes. He makes good movies, okay, but it cost eighteen million. It made two hundred and sixty-five million dollars. <laughs> between November of 1990 and it didn't leave theaters until May of 1991, if you can believe that. So, I mean, just this film was just gigantic. Do you guys remember, uh, like your first watching and your first exposure to it? Oh, I I was gonna say, I I don't necessarily remember the first time that I saw it, but I do know that it was one of the, those movies that, I mean, there's, you can't overemphasize how big this movie was. I mean, this movie, defined a generation where it was literally every single person that you knew had seen this movie and it was the best movie they had ever seen. Like this is all anybody, especially at my age when I would have been like 12, like every, all of my friends had seen it. This is all we'd ever talk about. Like it was everywhere. It was a, a cultural, you know, to call it a cultural phenomenon doesn't even begin to explain just, yeah, it was everywhere. Jeremy, what was your exposure same here i don't remember exactly when i saw either of these first two home alone movies um but just the the impact of both of them just really just lingered amongst our generation like i had a talk boy i oh sweet still have a talk boy (laughs) that's a relic you gotta hang on to that man that's cool I wish I had a talk boy. I really do. But you know what's so weird about that is like they weren't, you know, obviously it wasn't something that existed before Home Alone 2, but just like they decided, you know what, let's just throw it out there. They got Tiger Electronics to make up a model and they had a few in stores when, you know, when Home Alone 2 came out, but it was like such a demand. Like they got so many inquiries. Where do you find it? It was sold out everywhere. You know, by the next year, you know, in 93, they finally had them on the shelves and they had Talk Girl and they had Talk Boy Junior and all these other things. But that's so cool that you have one. I, I'm going to have to take a look at that one of these days. Does it still work? Uh, I would assume so. Uh, <laughs> I don't have it here. It's back home in Oregon. Oh, okay. Um, but yeah, it uh, last I knew it still worked. Well, and what's interesting is like, even though like, you know, it was such a huge thing. I mean, it was the highest grossing comedy in history and it stood that way until The Hangover 2. So literally like nothing has knocked it out. It's still very recently. And Zach Galifianakis somehow did it. <laughs> Zach Galifianakis funnier than Macaulay Culkin. Well, I guess hang so. on a second. I still feel like <laughs> any movie. It's like it's like, what is it? I saw the. the 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 second highest grossing animated film of all no excuse me third third highest grossing animated film of all, of all time is the minions 
So oh, wow. it has something to do with the fact that there are movie screens everywhere and it costs you twelve fifty to get one ticket. So you're gonna make a it, lot of money, yeah. Exactly. Yeah. If Home Alone came out today, like forget about it. Yeah. Well in the but that's what I was saying, like at the same time, they didn't know it was going to be a hit. So, like, when the first movie came out, like, and I just posted this on our social media. So, go to Facebook, go to Twitter, check it out. But, like, the only thing you had was the VHS. Like, that was that was their promotional items. And, like, and the one thing you got, I remember, is when you bought the VHS, you could get, uh, like, at select retailers. In my case, it was the Blockbuster Video. Um, but they gave you a, like, a copy of Kevin's map that he, you know, had all his plans for the booby traps. And I remember getting that as a kid. And I was so excited. That was like the one thing I had. And it, it was kind of tiny by comparison. Cause you know, in, in the movie, he's like rolling out this giant thing, you know, but, but either way, like, and then like, again, when Home Alone 2 came out, they had the talk boy. I think they sold that green monster slime too, but I just remember it not being that big a deal. And then there was like a video game for the, just the regular Nintendo entertainment system, you know? So they had a few things, but it never was like, you know, gigantic merchandising wise which surprised me you think like oh kids are gonna want everything home alone but um did you guys see the second one do you have recollections of, of the sequel uh do we really need to go into that one i mean <laughs> yeah well I, that one it was I mean, pretty that good one, yeah and i mean not until you get into the third fourth and fifth ones are they getting really bad but the 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 second one yeah, I mean, like, uh, I think like you said, Adam, is that it became such a huge big deal because the first one was, su was such a big deal is that then we were naturally going to go see a sequel. And, yeah. and I felt like, and that was even some of the things even, I don't know about you guys, but for me that I was kind of struggling with this week is that this is such a kind of like an iconic idea that to mm -hmm. make a sequel out of it that captures the original but is still fresh and original is quite a challenge where it's like how do you really justify a 10 year old or an 11 or 12 year old being left home alone again and to run <laughs> in to more cat burglars like how do you get them in that same sort of a situation so there yeah. was a couple of stretches i thought in the second one but they still did a pretty admirable job considering that challenge Especially well, I mean, when you compare it to the later ones where they did not. Yeah, well, I mean, it, it, it is the second movie really is the first movie, right? I mean, they, they, they have a few new characters they threw in there, but they really were just trying to say, OK, these are the beats that you hit. Kevin gets lost. You know, Kevin has a disagreement with his family. Kevin gets lost. Kevin meets a creepy old person. Kevin gets, you know, uh, his life is endangered by by the, the wet bandits in this case coming back again. And then, you know, essentially there's a resolution at the end. He helps the old person solve their issue. He stops the, the bad guys and, and stories over. Every, he makes up with his family. I mean, that's essentially the beats you follow. Now, in between the first and second films, you know, obviously Joe Pesci and Daniel Stern, I felt like in the first one were such an amazing, like comedic duo. Like they played off each other so well. And like, oh, you know, over the years as I've watched the movies, like, of course, as a kid, the slapstick is what was funny, right? It was, it was them getting hit by paint cans. It was blow torches on the head. It was whatever it was. But over the years, my favorite parts are just the little moments with Harry and Marv, you know, like, and it's simple stuff too. It's like, there's this moment where Harry, you know, Joe Pesci's telling Daniel Stern, telling Marv, he's like, yeah, why don't you go in there and check it out? 
And then he just there's just kind of a silence for a beat. Daniel Stern's like, now? Nah, tomorrow, <laughs> egghead. Yeah, now. True. Go ahead. You know, like, right. just like stuff like that is just so funny. Or like, or what do you just like, yeah, kids are afraid of the dark. You're afraid of dark too, Marv. You know you are. No, I'm not. Yes, you are. You know, just like the, the banter back and forth. My disappointment was in the second one, when the wet bandits come back as the sticky bandits. Um, <laughs> it's really disappointing because they, they, as much as they were like cartoonish in the first one, and it was very Tom and Jerry type, uh, you know, booby traps and, and, and punishment inflicted on them. I just felt like in the second one, it was so over the top and goofy, especially when Daniel Stern is getting electrocuted and he becomes a skeleton. I was just like, eh, I don't know. Like it lost its, its real, cause there was a tinge of reality in the first one and the right. second one just kind of overdid it. Um, well, and it's the funny thing, and, and I know we were even talking about it when we just watched it recently, that, um, which one, and I don't know if it's just because I don't really watch uh, a whole lot of, like, I guess Kevin James, is he our last bastion of slapstick? I mean, him and, and maybe Seth Rogen, and even Seth Rogen, I don't know that he's doing slapstick per se, I mean, yeah. it's, uh, but, like, l- legitimate good slapstick if you and I don't know about you, Adam, from working at Disney, is that I don't can't tell you how many times I wanted to do a pratfall. I wanted to do the old slipping on a banana peel, but if uh-huh. you actually attempt to do that, how difficult it is to actually get your body. It looks so natural. It looks like well, of course, if you step step on a banana peel, that's what you would do, but you don't. Like that's just not the way the body moves, <laughs> and that they do slapstick so well is actually like i mean uh, it's it's maybe not necessarily them it might be the uh the 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 stuntman, uh, stuntman or whatever but it's still done well from a actor and a, a director and a cinematographer and a stuntman everybody working together yeah. they do it really well yeah like the timing was just right and the funny thing is like uh chris columbus says like he's like you know what on the first film we were doing all the you know like that those slapstick stunts were dangerous and painful and even though everybody's laughing in the theater we were not laughing on set we just felt bad for what we were putting the stunt guys through because they were really going for it most of the time and the other thing i'll just mention is you know for for the purposes of how much even the cast loved being a part of this film. Joe Pesci won an Oscar for best supporting actor for Goodfellas in between Home Alone one and Home Alone two. And he still came back. So, yeah, which is at that point, Academy Award winning actor, Joe Pesci now in Home Alone two getting, you know, getting bricks thrown at him. And I don't know. <laughs> it, it was just, it was pretty crazy, but, um, but, uh, the one thing I'll just mention, last thing about Home Alone 2 is it does feature like some new uh, supporting roles and some cameos. And so you have like Tim Curry. Anytime you put Tim Curry in a movie, it's just oh, more oh. enjoyable. Oh, my goodness. So you get Tim Curry and Rob Schneider as kind of part of the hotel staff, you know, which Rob Schneider, he had his moment, right? I feel like he, they people really were trying to put him in stuff, and then it just never. I personally love him from Surf Ninjas, but that's just me. Um, of course, but you literally would. just you. <laughs> <laughs> but the but the hotel that they're staying at was a real hotel owned by our soon-to-be president Donald Trump, who also makes a cameo in makes the a film. Makes a cameo, yes. Yeah, 
And little, you might not have noticed her because she's blonde and looking a little different, but Ali Sheedy is also in this film. She she is the the attendant at the airport when because I, I barely knew about it. I remember knowing, you know, hearing something about Home Alone 3 and then definitely not checking it out because Macaulay Culkin had <laughs> retired from acting by that point. And, uh, and, you know, he had just been burned out in Hollywood and just life was crazy, his personal life, his family, all this stuff. And um, so, but John Hughes had written a script for a teenage Kevin McAllister to somehow be left home alone again. I'm assuming it was some sort of like weird science, I don't know, house party must have been something crazy but so he had to produce a script for home alone 3 from scratch now with a new new situation new family and he it was with this younger kid named alex who basically ends up with a microchip that was hidden inside a remote control car that he gets as a gift. And it's an Air Force microchip that makes it so no missiles can hit whatever, you know, vehicle they're installed in. It's installed in. And so there's these like Euro trash. I don't know what they are. They're almost like the thieves, you know, like some kind of weird group from Die Hard. I don't know. But like they're supposed to, they're tasked with going to get it for the black market. So they set up shop in this kid's neighborhood and they're like, basically breaking into all the homes in the neighborhood trying to find it and this kid is figuring it out but nobody believes him and so he is the only one who can stop these you know these dangerous criminals and it's it's not terrible actually it's it's okay like it's a, it's a nice play on the concept and it's a fresh you know idea behind it but you know again it doesn't have the charm Exactly of you know having Macaulay Culkin in the lead role and everybody because everybody in that family was pretty amazing. I mean everybody from Buzz to you know Big Pete from Adventures of Pete and Pete. You know like there, there's there's all, all sorts of cool characters in there. But the the one fun cameo or not cameo really but casting choice I didn't realize Scarlett Johansson is the older sister in Home Alone three and she's probably like thirteen or something. But I was just like, what? She said this? That's crazy. Um, but so have either of you seen Home Alone 3 or looked into it? Nope. No, it yeah, didn't take a chance. I've right. known about, about it. As, but... Exactly. I'm the same way. Yeah. Seen the poster that it was some other kid and that yeah turned <laughs> But but the kid is very charismatic. Like I say, it's not as bad as you would think. Now, Home Alone 4. <laughs> which they did actually produce a Home Alone 4 is so odd. It's like an alternate reality yeah, of the because, first film. Hold on. It's, yeah. what's his name? It's French Stewart playing yes. Marv. Playing right. Marv. Yeah. Yeah. Play, play, playing the Daniel Stern character, which is Marv. But he's dressed like the Joe Pesci character, Harry. <laughs> it, it is so strange. He's got the, the knit cap on. He's got the gray coat and everything. It's it's so weird. And Missy Pyle, who I love, she's a great character actress. Uh, she, she's in all sorts of stuff. Um, she's in it. and But it, it is the strangest setup, which is they've... They've brought back the McAllister family, but totally recast them and they've gotten rid of some of the siblings. And so like there's Buzz and there's one sister, but they look nothing like like none of nobody is even reminiscent of the original family from the film. Plus, the parents are now divorced. It is totally depressing that way. And the dad is about to remarry this 
this gal who's like a princess. She's like royalty. And so the Kevin character, this kid now playing a character called Kevin, um, goes and, and goes into her super high tech mansion. And for some reason, Marv is now married and he and his wife are crooks and they're going for one big score and they just happen to know about this princess's um, you know, mansion and they're going to rob it and they happen to run to Kevin again and now he's there. But it is so cheaply made and poorly directed. You know, it was in 2003 this came out, but it is just, I don't know. Like, And I don't know why people keep going to French Stewart. They did the same thing with Inspector Gadget too. He replaced Matthew Broderick as Inspector Gadget. I'm just like, these are bad choices. Um, oh. Yeah, it, it's it's really, it's not enjoyable. And then Home Alone 5, I didn't even bother. It's a TV film called The Holiday Heist, starring Ma- Malcolm McDowell and Ed Asner. <laughs> and, okay, both, both of those were made for TV. The Home Alone 4? Home Alone 4 yeah. was a, a, just a I Christmas just movie. I think video or something. Yeah, because it's, it's definitely got that look. Yeah. Um, but yeah, but Home Alone 5 was 2012. So, uh, you know, up till recently, they've been trying to keep the brand name alive. And essentially, it's about some kid who moves into a new home. And he's told that his house is haunted by a burglar that died there. And then they're trying to steal an expensive painting that's located at the home. Like, I don't know. It's just... I don't know who, who needs that, you know, but the, so the real question is, you know, a, a film start, you know, with home alone, a sequel, really a true sequel. We feel like should have Macaulay Culkin, right? So we'll, we'll see if that's the case when we get into our pitches, but he actually has reprised his role. Do you guys know about this? Oh, that geez, Macaulay yes, Culkin came yes. back to play? Yeah. Oh my goodness. <laughs> you want to tell us a little bit about it, Jeremy? Did, oh. did you watch the video recently? Oh, I, I watched the video. <laughs> And uh, Kevin's a psychopath. Yeah. He's like Dexter. <laughs> He's been psychologically damaged by the events of the first two films. And so like when they get carjacked, he captures the carjacker and takes him into this warehouse and tortures him. And it's, uh, yeah, it's, 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 it's like Pulp Fiction style vigilante stuff, uh, which, but, but, as much as like i don't know as rough around the edges as it is you know it actually has some really fantastic clever callbacks so as so i appreciate for what they were doing there they really pulled it together wasn't, wasn't it like funny and funnier die uh it wasn't it was with this guy named jack dishel and he, i guess he has this web series called driver and and that was the first episode of it. Oh. So, but yeah, but yeah, it's just like kind of a yeah, an offshoot yeah, wasn't, comedy. Wasn't Kevin you know. like an Uber driver? Exactly. Okay. Yeah, the guy calls it Uber, and he's filling in for his wife, and he says she did too much cocaine the night before, <laughs> and he doesn't even really know how to drive, and so he makes the guy he's picking up drive for him while he tells his sob story. <laughs> and anyway, it's it's crazy, but but yeah, like I say, a little bit of language, but it's 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 pretty funny when you watch it. You're like, wow, <laughs> well, <it's kind> <laughs> is of, this really where it would go? The funny thing now that especially if you go back and watch the first, well, probably the first two, but especially the first one, Home Alone, that like Kevin's a jerk. Like it's kind of like uh, it's kind of like you know if I'm the parents, I'm like I might think about leaving this kid alone, Home Alone too, because he was he was a mouthy little punk, and it was funny because back you know when we were in our you know ten, twelve, whatever, nine years old, 
Um, that was the era of, you know, Kevin McAllister was right there hand in hand with Bart Simpson, where yeah. those were the ones, even you could say the Ninja Turtles, Ninja uh -huh. Turtles were a little more goody goody than those two, but there was that whole middle school rebel, like anti-authority, like real mouthy to their parents. Like that was, that was our, our paragon or our, you know, the, the models or whatever yeah. that were really, really big that back then. Oh, absolutely. And, and, and when I when I look at him, like, this is the funny thing, like, he, he was mouthy and everything. But really, I, I the whole film is through the lens of a child, right? So I think when you're that age, and I'm sure if you have a lot of siblings and all that stuff, you feel that sometimes, you know, I'm the only one getting dumped on, you know, like, that's his line, you know, and like, I noticed my my almost four year old, he does the same thing, where he's just like, I want to be alone forever. And I'm going to, I'm not, I don't want to live with anybody. And like, this just, I, and I, I hear Kevin McAllister. I don't want a new family. I don't want any family. Families suck. <laughs> you know, like, then I'm like, is my son turning into Kevin? Like, but I, I think every kid just goes through that. Like where they feel like life would be better if I could make all the decisions myself and nobody could tell me what to do or step in, you know, and take over what's supposed to be mine, you know? So I think... In that respect, it's accurate. Too, yeah. My thought was that, and especially with the John Hughes connection, is that the more I was thinking about it the last time I watched it, is that this this movie really was like the middle school's version of Ferris Bueller's Day Off, where yeah. Ferris Bueller was all about the dream of every high schooler that they could just conquer the world and do absolutely anything that they wanted, and there would be no consequences, and they could just be completely free. Whereas the dream of every middle schooler is I could like run my house and I could jump on the bed and I could eat junk food and, and then I could be a hero by stopping bad guys and everybody would love me and everyone would say they were sorry because they were such jerks. Like, and that's, <laughs> that's pretty much sums up the movie is that like, yeah. like you said, doing it from a middle schooler's perspective. Or was Ferris Bueller even real? Ah, on ah. his head. But then... <laughs> It's or Kevin Cameron's head, right? Hold on. Right. Hey, now. <laughs> now, before we get into our pitches here, the last thing I just want to say is John Candy in this film is, like, magical to me. Like, I know he's known for so many other, you know, films he's done and planes, trains, and automobiles, all these different things. But for me, like, this is John Candy's definitive role as Gus Polinsky, the polka king of the Midwest. <laughs> I mean, I just like, you know, it just his whole his whole interaction with Catherine O'Hara is is fantastic, you know? Polka, 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 you know? very big in Sheboygan. You know, like just like he's he's just amazing. And he's but he's so he's just so kind and loving. They actually said he was supposed to make a cameo in, in Home Alone 2, but it just didn't work out scheduling wise or whatever. But like, I don't know, like there, there's just something about just his appearance. He brings something so special to the film that I feel like it would be missing if she just somehow, you know, hitched a ride somewhere else or did manage to get on a flight, you know, like it, it makes the whole appearance uh, of that character like a magical thing. Like he, you know, he was meant to be, he had to be there to do it. Uh, but he's, he's also hilarious at the same time. But um, well, all that right. was the thing I was thinking too, which even as we get into our pitches, will be interesting to see how we manage that. But in watching it again closely is that they really go out of their way to try and make leaving a nine-year-old home alone as realistic as possible, where yeah. 
you know, they spill milk and so they accidentally throw away his ticket so that the, the, at the ticket counter they wouldn't have noticed. The neighborhood boy comes in and gets counted so that they think that they have enough. There's two separate vans, so this and that and the other and the other. And so that then adding in even, you know, John Candy's character, not only that, you know, her, a mother would really be struggling to come back home, but then mm -hmm. also he's the really the, listen, you're not the world's, like worst mother because you've done that the reality is now granted it seems like the examples he used are really really lousy <laughs> fathers like this guy uh. he doesn't even know his kids names i'm like that's not good left but a kid it in a funeral parlor once ah, poor tyke was there all day of course <laughs> uh. you know, he came around eventually started talking again <laughs> right but it does give us a dose of reality and make it like oh well she's not you know a monster well, you know, and it also, the film also made me appreciate my family more because what I realized is... Because they never uh, did this to you. Yeah, I, no, no, I, I did get left behind. No, 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 don't, don't get that wrong. I, I was left at an air show once all day <laughs> and they didn't find me until later. But um, but no, but I'm just saying like that, that, that I didn't have an older brother that was tormenting me. I didn't have, you know, uh, an Uncle Frank who personally is actually my favorite character of the entire film. Oh, like, Uncle Frank's the worst. He, he is fantastic. What you did, you little, little jerk. <laughs> but, but more so is is the cheapskate aspect of him. That's what I love when they're on the plane. These are real crystal. Put them in your purse. What? Put, put them in your purse. And, uh, fill it up, please. Fill it up. You know, He's just like taking advantage of everything he can get. Oh, it's so great. If it makes you feel any better. I forgot my reading glasses. <laughs> it's just like anything he says is terrible and hilarious at the same time. So thank you, Uncle Frank. I did not have any terrible uncles like that. All my uncles are cool. So I <laughs> guess uh, I can be thankful for that this holiday season. Oh, Jeremy, any any other comments for you? Favorite moments, favorite characters? Ooh. Um, I'm still wondering what happened to Kevin after he ran up a 900 and some odd dollar bill for room service. <laughs> yes. <laughs> well, they, uh, said, they established in the first movie that the McAllisters are loaded. They have definitely. lots of money. They have like a 16 bedroom house or whatever that they live in this mansion. Yeah, it's that, the biggest house on the block. That too. They have like seven a kids. A lot of though. questions. Yeah. Because... They afford that house and then trip and tickets and hotel for all of them to Paris. And, and like 12 pizzas. What <laughs> job does this guy do? Yeah. Well, I think they said in the first one, it was that their brother got yeah. hired and had to move to France. So their new company paid to fly the whole family out there. Yeah. So they didn't pay, they didn't pay for the, the tickets, but uh, but yeah, but everything else, yeah, I mean, it's just like they obviously like they're doing very well for themselves, you know. Right. So yeah, but I I always wondered that too. I was just like, but I feel like he is on, isn't he on a business call at some point, like at the beginning, like when Kevin when they're doing the packing and all that. I don't know, but anyway, whatever he's doing, I'd like to get in on it too. Exactly. Uh, <laughs> Wouldn't we all? Maybe, maybe it's just like McAllister brand urinal cakes or something. You know what I'm saying? Like, it's it's not glamorous, but they got the money. Life is good. <laughs> or like, what's the Duck Dynasty guys? They invented a duck call or something like oh, that. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> uh, all right. Are we ready for this? I think so. 
All right. Well, I know, uh, Jeff, you got something for us, something special to bring the holiday spirit. Yeah. Um, now, now, uh, unfortunately, there, the like we kind of talked about earlier, there was a couple little hiccups that I, I felt unsatisfied with. Like I couldn't quite wrap my mind fully around uh, figuring out the best way of doing this. But I do have kind of a skeleton outline, I suppose. So um, for me, I would want to start. Uh, I would want to think about doing a movie now. So we can't use my. Macaulay Culkin because it's way too much later but I do like having a 10 year old I think a 10 year old today would maybe not be the mouthy rebel that Kevin was but maybe be um, still mouthy I think a 10 year olds still want to be mouthy but uh, maybe like tech savvy might be a, another admirable quality of a 10 year old uh, they'd and be, they'd be mouthy and get a trophy there you go exactly and have trophies yeah um, so, uh, I thought the nice connection, cause that's the other part too, is that if we're going to make a home alone today, I think you have to one appeal to, again, the 10 year olds today who don't know anything about the original movie, but their parents grew up with it. So they're going to really want all of those connections to what worked so well when they were kids. Uh, and so I thought the one neat connection would be telling essentially the story of one of those polka guys, families. So it's uh, a family where the dad is in that polka band. And so he's gone <laughs> 48 weeks of the year. Uh, and so it's just mom and um, uh, um, the kids or the kid or whatever. Um, <clears throat> so I would see the, the premise being that mom needs to go. So dad's, you know, on the road and mom needs to go out of town for business. And so uh, hires a babysitter and the babysitter I feel like there's been another movie that has done this, so it's not as dark. Where the babysitter dies was that was that? Don't Adventures tell mom the babysitter. No, don't, don't tell, tell mom the, the babysitter dead. dead. Exactly, yeah. they did it, and it wasn't a horror movie. So yeah. that's a possibility. You kill the babysitter. <laughs> uh, another one would be maybe the babysitter has something come up, and so she decides that ten years old, he's he's old enough because mom's supposed to be home tomorrow, and then so she leaves him alone, but then. Um, uh, uh, like mom ends up being delayed. And so he is home alone for an extended period of time. Um, and then um, the, where I get stuck is the cat burglars. I don't want to do the cat burglar thing again because it's already been done, but we need to hit that same sort of a challenge of being home alone and the booby traps and everything like that works so well. I don't, I, can't, I couldn't think of a better way to do that. Um, the other thought was just kind of the challenges of being home alone, like kind of doing more like in the original one where Kevin was afraid of going into the basement, kind of making that a bigger deal. Uh, for me, kind of one of the things that I thought was kind of neat was like when Kevin went shopping and he had to like buy food for himself to kind of do some of that, like the realities of living by yourself. I thought that might be kind of fun. But I would still need some sort of a conflict that, yeah, again, that I kind of hadn't flushed out yet. Okay, so I, I almost, yeah, I think that's that's an interesting take. If there if there was not and an, you know any intruders, it's just about a kid who actually has to survive on his own, but come up with some uh, some actual difficulties to overcome. That's pretty right. interesting. Well, because again, like you said, I think what people loved about the movie, what people remembered, 
was the slapstick and the booby traps and the his outthinking these bad guys. Mm-hmm. And so that's something that I think would need to be in the film in some form. Um, which again, that was where, like, like I said, that's why I have appreciation for the attempt that the second one tried to make, trying to do that same thing and trying to make it a little bit fresher by setting it in New York with a, you know, whatever and whatever. Um, but it's, uh, again, I couldn't quite wrap my mind around anything other than home invasion again. Yeah. I mean, that that's, you know, just, yeah, it's kind of a staple of the franchise. So Jeremy, did you have a concept to throw our way? I do. I've got a, I got a movie trailer. I'm going to describe here. (laughs) All right. In a world of technology coming out the years, winter 2018, a 15-passenger van full of kids, utter chaos bouncing around, pulls down a mountain road, leaving a few isolated cabins. A montage of clips with Christmas lights and a Christmas tree pass by in the dark, flashing to kids tearing into gifts on Christmas morning. A shot of a scraggly, older-looking man wandering around outside his cabin suspiciously. Next, flashing to a couple kids walking in the snow, talking. I hear old man McAllister is crazy. Another kid replies, (laughs) No, I heard he kills little kids and eats them. (laughs) Flash to a prison release exit. Harry and Marv, the wet and sticky bandits, are finally free (laughs) from prison. Harry turns to Marv and says, It's time for that punk kid to finally pay. Cut back to that 15-passenger van. Is everyone here? The mom asks. Well, if they aren't, then they should have woken up on time. Cut to a pile of blankets in the corner of the basement. The pile pops up and a ginger kid sits up. (laughs) What happens when a kid is left home alone in the woods? No phone, no internet, no way to communicate with the outside world. And now a pair of phantasms from the past returns for revenge to haunt our young hero. Flash the title title screen. (laughs) Home alone again. No service. (laughs) A ginger kid inserting yourself into the franchise, huh, Jeremy? <laughs> well, you, you gotta assume it's like the redheaded stepchild thing. Like nobody would want to be like, "Oh, George got left back there." <laughs> <laughs> so, so we really, we really have to pick yours to get some of the details that you have in mind here, because there, there's some mystery elements there that I don't know where it's going. I'm like, wait a minute, who is this kid? Who's old man McAllister? All this stuff. I'm just, I'm curious to know. Okay. All right. Well, my pitch is called uh, Home Alone Bandit Busters. All right. So I, I did take the tack of setting it in modern day as well, just so you're, I know I, a lot of times I like to pick up right after <laughs> the last sequel, but because there's been so much nonsense in between, we're bringing it back. Now, Kevin McAllister played by Macaulay Culkin, 
hasn't been alone during Christmas for the past 25 years. After college, Kevin married Molly, the redheaded granddaughter of his neighbor, Old Man Marley, and relocated from Chicago to Los Angeles to start his career in what else? Home security systems. Over the last decade, Kevin's company, Bandit Busters Incorporated, has been the premier security provider for the rich and famous in the entertainment industry. He's even hired his older brother, Buzz, and cousin Fuller as an installer and accountant, respectively. Bandit Busters is known for the customized security features conceived and engineered by Kevin, like the basketball firing cannon and net entrapment system installed at Shaquille O'Neal's house. Now, business has kept Kevin very busy, yet he always makes time for his family and he's getting ready to fly back to Chicago for Christmas with his parents. But when Buzz incorrectly installs an experimental new security system at the mansion of Hollywood's newest and most difficult starlet, Chai Ridley, Kevin is forced to send Molly and the kids on without him while he fixes the mistake. After a brief encounter with Chai, where Kevin has to save the diva from a malfunctioning staircase that turns into a slide, then sends an intruder out the front door via sled, Kevin is told that Chai is leaving town for the weekend to escape a devious trio of ruthless paparazzi called the Starbreakers, who have been trespassing on her property and going so far as to steal personal items for sale on eBay. On Christmas Eve, Chai gives Kevin 24 hours to repair the malfunctioning security machinery, or she will trash talk bandit busters on her very popular social media channels and tank his business. He FaceTimes the family back in Chicago, promising to make it in time for Christmas morning. Now, uh, uh, let's see. So at that point, what you have is Kevin inside the house. Now, uh, Unfortunately, the trio of Starbreakers have bribed Chai's perturbed butler for details on the broken security areas in order to find their way into the home and start searching for evidence of her reported gilded chihuahua, a PR nightmare if animal rights activists found out about it. So Kevin finishes the repairs, but the system works too well, trapping himself and the Starbreakers in the home. And having found the Gilded Chihuahua, the Starbreakers discover Kevin as a witness to their illegal activity, and the villains decide to take him out permanently, not knowing that they will have to fight through a maze of traps located on the property to find freedom. And Kevin, meanwhile, is trying to escape the homicidal muckrakers while also surviving the dangerous devices he designed and trying to rewire them for his own defense. So some of the traps include a mad mosaic of floor tiles that heat super hot or freezing cold or super slick, a fireplace that shoots out tendrils of flame, a room of award statues that are connected to electrical charges, a wine cellar that drops empty bottles onto thieves' heads and sends others rolling on the floor, causing the criminals to lose their footing, a kitchen pots and pans rack that lowers, hooks onto, and then spins intruders around, and finally, a multi-positioning electronic bidet that attacks with painful streams of water. So uh, Kevin manages to subdue the crooks and alert the police, but when he gets an angry call from Shy chewing him out for the inconvenience he has caused her, Kevin decides to leak security footage of the diva giving Buzz condescending instructions about how to properly secure her precious golden canine, and it goes out on her social media pages as Kevin hurries for the airport. Kevin arrives at the family home just before the last present is opened, and during their breakfast sees the final report on the Starbreakers YouTube channel about animal rights protesters her harassing Chai at her winter vacation home before the Starbreakers become the subject of their own news report being taken to jail for their many crimes and their channel is cancelled and Christmas is saved <laughs> so there you go hmm 
right. So we got we got a lot of interesting things. So Jeff, you gave us uh, definitely kept it in continuity, right? Gave us a new a new family, but with good reason. Uh, seemed to make sense. Good concept for us to flesh out. Jeremy, you gave us a true mystery. <laughs> Something again that I'm just like really and and great uh concept there obviously with the uh how do you get rid of all uh electronics that we have today that would prevent the first film from happening and then finally mine say what you will (laughs) any comments well definitely like yeah with yours uh uh it kind of it reminded me well, not like what was it? it? It it reminded me of like a cross between that horror movie, uh, um, uh, House is it House on Haunted Hill with Tony Shalhoub and I don't know if you guys saw that one, um, where there's all those ghosts that are locked up and they have to kind of like escape all their different traps and Big Fat Liar with Malcolm in the middle. Yeah, it seemed like kind of a middle a, a mix of those two where it definitely. Seems like a lot of it would be the focus on, yeah, the 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 traps and the adventure and the the, the mayhem. Yeah, yeah, I've I've seen neither of those films, but I figured that oh, I was like, okay. there's got to be something similar to this somewhere. I would imagine, well, but somewhere, yeah, not I mean, exactly. Just in the feel, I guess. Yeah. yeah. So as we come down and we try to figure out which one we want to we want to work on, which has the most commercial viability, which is the most exciting concept. It's uh, do we want Mac back? Do we want uh, this this red redheaded star that's gonna this a star on the rise that's gonna make us laugh, make us cry? Do we want to have a polka kid who has to learn to get his uh, <laughs> get his life together, learn to grow up? Um, Jeremy, where do you fall? Ah. <sighs> I would probably fall towards Adam, but it would be borderline with limited theater release or straight to Netflix. (laughs) What? I got to hear the reason for that, though. What's your concept there? I don't know if we could get the, the market viability out of that. Interesting. Okay. It seems almost too cartoonish. I guess this is like I, the I, first I guess, time yeah. we've had to justify our reasoning, but uh, yeah, yeah. It's interesting. <laughs> no, no, it's, I know. I just, I, I've never heard so that concept though. Over yeah. the top that it doesn't seem like it would play well potentially in theaters. Mm. Okay. Interesting. Jeff, how about you? Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I don't know that I, I would think it wouldn't play well because again, you know, like like especially like uh, um, what was it? Uh, uh, Minions? Big, no. No. Well, <laughs> yeah, but uh, no. Big fat. Was it big fat liar? Yeah. Big fat liar. Uh, yeah. Yeah, with Malcolm in the middle. Um, that was very somewhat similar, and then but this one would feel like a little bit more like late. I don't know. My only, my only thing in considering the two is that I feel like Adams, yours would be more for those of us that grew up watching Home Alone that would then want to see what Kevin had done since then, but it mm. wouldn't appeal as much to the people that don't know anything about Home Alone, uh, and it doesn't. But really, quite... who is that? Come on, who well, doesn't know but... about Home Alone? 
anybody under the age of 20 and maybe under <laughs> the age of 30 to be honest with you okay uh, well, let me let me sweeten the deal here with my plot uh -oh, uh -oh. old old man Flesh McAllister is kevin right right i get i got that okay but uh well but that, is was, a time that was traveler? why is he old well, he's just uh, kind of <laughs> he's just creepy he's have, have you seen some pictures of him lately like there was yeah, that point he where he had a beard and it looked all the scrawny it, beard it but, but i see what you're saying old. a nine-year-old thinks a 35 year old is exactly. old i understand that right well and also i was thinking well we just watched elf the other day and there's uh, the one guy in the in the in the in the mail room was like i am 26 years old and you're like <laughs> what so <laughs> If Macaulay Culkin looked like that plus five years. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that was, and that would be my thought is that with Jeremy's, you do have kind of some of that same, I guess, concept or at least heart or idea behind the original one um, that could reach a whole new generation. Uh, my fear would be is that if a studio got a hold of it, they're like, great, now let's just like rubber stamp the exact same script that we used the very first time and redo it. So that would be the challenge, I think, with um, you know a premise like Jeremy's is let's not do you know just Home Alone take two. Not to say that that's what you were going for. I'm just saying a studio could do that with yours. Mine would be the Force Awakens of the Home Alone fan. <laughs> no, no, don't say it. <laughs> oh, don't let JJ get his hands on. Wait, so Jeff, you voted for. Jeremy's? Yes, or I'm sorry, me? Jeremy's. Yes. Okay. <laughs> I was trying to be diplomatic about it, man, because okay. because like I said, I I don't want to I don't want to you know like to be perfectly honest, I'd like to see both of them because I do I would be very interested to see. It sounds like a lot of fun to see all of the traps and the the all that sort of stuff, um, but in the vein of home alone i would lean i'm you know me i'm a purist i, I love what, what has already been done so yeah well so so now for me like i again i love jeff's concept of taking one of the polka kids you know and and fleshing him out the only problem is i do going back to your comment jeff i feel like it would end up basically based on where you left it like it just seemed like it could only be a rehash of the first one right. And so to me, I just felt like I don't know if that's what we need. I do think there needs to be some sort of update in concept and, and location, something there that that makes it go. So so my vote is for Jeremy's again for the intrigue Now there are some some plot, you know, plot points. Obviously, we would have to flesh out there only because I don't. I don't, there's some parts that don't make sense to me right now. So like, I guess that's what we'll get into as we, uh, as we get into Jeremy's. However, I, I will agree with you, Jeff, on my pitch definitely was meant for our generation only because I felt like, I, I don't think they would pitch a movie, a home alone movie. Now, like they've been trying to pitch it to younger kids. And I think we've seen where that's gone. Like there, nobody, nobody, and I've never heard a little kid talk about home alone four or home alone five. You uh -huh. know what I'm saying? So like, I feel like, yes, just make it for the adults. And you know, mine sounded kind of goofy, but I think it was more just along the lines of saying something like, you know, yes, there's these basic elements, but it'll probably be done in a more adult kind of slapstick way, you know? Uh, a different type of humor than than what we got in the other films but we have something to go on and i'm excited to flesh this out so 
<laughs> so Jeremy, were there any other details in your mind you had to fill us in on that you were feeling like, and we just, there was also doing this because this is the number one thing I don't get right now. Redheaded kid. Who is he? Who is yeah. he related to? Uh, that's, that's really the thing. He's unrelated to the family. Just, it's a brand new family brought in only to have it kind of be handed off like an actual handing off of the franchise rather okay. than that else world, whatever <laughs> yeah. four was Just crazy yeah. where Marv was Harry because Harry died. So he dressed up like him. I, I don't know exactly what that was, <laughs> but it would be it would be a revenge plot and Marvin Harry track down uh, Kevin who's been living isolated to stay off the grid okay so the other part of that is then they're trying to track him down uh, but all they have to go on is, I mean I'm sure they've done their research but you know, probably newspapers and stuff report on it but like according to the first two films all they had to go on was like McAllister but I don't think they ever knew his name to find him and the question I have is you said the kid got left in a mountain cabin and old man McAllister is just in the area Kevin wanders that area and ends up in the house and helps the kid or like or not even like maybe like just as a brief cameo at the end he helps save the day like old man Marley did uh, in the first film potentially I was thinking a little more than old man Marley but very very similar kind of style where the kids are af- the kid is afraid of the old man yeah and well, and this because again, because Macaulay Culkin is only in his 30s, so it's not quite <laughs> the same, but he could be equally terrifying. I mean, if you oh, live yeah. next to a in the woods, there's a creepy 30 year old that, like, you know, he could definitely be creepy. Well, do we want to add the element that Kevin is paranoid that the wet bandits, the wet slash sticky bandits, are were going to come for him someday? So he decided he could never have a, a normal life and he sheltered himself away up in the woods and became like a paranoid type of guy. Like, is that, is that really where he's gone? Like he is damaged and cut himself off from the world. And this kid brings him back. Like, again, like, like Macaulay Culkin did to the pigeon lady and to uh, old man Marley. Yeah. I would say this would be his connection to real life again and kind of bringing him back out of his isolated shell. Uh-huh. Um, it, I would say the cabins aren't like way off, like spaced immensely far away from each other, but it's within sight. And so once the family leaves and all the noise dies away, it's the old man is kind of looking over the neighborhood, making sure nobody breaks in kind of thing. And so Kevin would be around the house and the kid would get freaked out about Kevin and that's the kids trying to ward off Kevin and that's when the wet bandits show up right well and especially if their motivation is revenge maybe it would be the other way around like as opposed to what you were saying Adam where they're after the kid and then Kevin helps they're after Kevin and the kid helps okay I can see what you're saying so uh, so yeah, so now the other the other concern I have is this, and you tell me what you think. Um, they're old, 
<laughs> Daniel oh, Stewart know. and Joe, Joe Pesci are old now. And so to beat up a bunch of 60-year-old guys <laughs> is kind of I – don't, I don't know how that's going to go over. It doesn't seem like much of a challenge. And it also doesn't you – know, and again, if they had guns well, or whatever, but then it gets too dark. I mean, because they, they had guns right. in the second film, you know, but still, it's just like – so I wonder – and tell me if you don't like this idea, but like what if they recruited – somebody else like because i know it's a revenge plot but what if they like lied to some other crooks or they you know they had cousins or somebody that that when they get out their kids uh, well i thought about that but i was like is that too lame you know is that too rote to say they conceived kids in in prison you know exactly and and why would their kids want to help them you know and why would a a woman be interested in either of those two characters come on (laughs) Uh, so, so that's what I was trying to think of like who could be like the younger members of their crew that they bring into it and, and a few like you know lower grade booby traps are, are set uh, you know for, for Marv and Harry um, but or or maybe maybe it's even more, dif- more different that they send the younger people ahead first and basically say like do this for us you know and then call us when you got the kid you know or when you got kevin you know yeah and then we'll come up like bring him to us type thing instead and then about, that's when all stuff is happening what about and this might go i don't I don't know if this would take too much away from because with the main idea being about the kid and he's left and you know kevin and stuff like that but like what if it was like a revert and no, i guess not reverse but like like an ocean's 11 sort of a thing where because Marvin and Harry are as old as they are, they've assembled this team that each team has a specific thing that they do and so that they're really, really good now at doing whatever they do. It could even be, well, because I was going to say, but then it wouldn't be about revenge anymore if it just like happened to be that they were caught in the snowstorm and then Kevin happens to be there, then that gets kind of silly, I guess. Yeah, well, mm. no, no, but I see what you're saying. I mean, that that kind of makes sense. Yeah, like they assemble a team. Again, I'm trying. They would have to have lied to that team and told them, like, you know, the kids loaded, or we could, if you, if we right. hold them hostage, the family will, you know, pay pay for them or whatever, something like that. Well, and I like, and that's that's kind of the thing that because again, like for for me, that the initial challenge with doing one of these movies is well. Even from the very start, how do you justify, how is the audience going to actually believe that this child was left home alone? And in today's day and age, how do they believe that they're left home alone and continue to be home alone? So like Jeremy said, with them in the woods and they're cut off, you know, like no reception and stuff like that. We could add in even like a snowstorm or something like that, so the roads are closed. Yeah. So even when they realize it, they can't get back up there. That yeah. that is where I was kind of going, where yeah. where their van gets snowed in, and it's stuck on the side of the road. So their their little subplot is trying to stay warm, while also trying to find some way to get a hold of somebody to go up there, and get a hold of him, try to find him. That's good. And are I we like get, are we gonna name this kid? Can we call him Jake or something? Like, what do we want to call this kid? Uh Jake works. Yeah, just just the, the most, something. The most popular name of the last three years has been Elijah. Really? So that's been everyone's naming their kid Elijah these days. Not Edward. Not no. the Twilight parents. Jackson. <laughs> Jackson was in the top ten. He could be Jackson. Uh, yeah. 
Jackson. Mm. I think it's the name of the the, the oldest uh, son on Fuller House. I'm watching season two right now. It's fantastic. Oh, I, uh, haven't, anyway. I haven't started it yet. Yeah, it's great. Oh, uh, but anyway. Uh, other, Getting back to what, yeah. Other sorry. news, uh, Alan Thicke. We need to yes. cross him off any casting lists. Yeah, rest in peace, Alan Thicke, what? who did make his oh. final appearance in Fuller House season yeah. two. Yeah, speed oh, the which he? brought us to that. He's great. He, he has a great moment in there. Mike here, he's he's got a great bit, so you'll have to watch out. On, for that. He was on uh, the Manny on uh, This Is Us as well. Yeah. Um, anyway. Um, but yeah. uh, uh, what was I going to say? Oh, but that could be the lie when you were talking about Adam, the lie that Marvin Harry could tell everybody is that that could be the lie that their plan is this place always gets snowed in and then there's all these houses ripe for the pl- plucking because oh, no one go. can get there. Yeah, that's sweet. Yeah. That's very cool. Now, the other thing I think we, when you're talking about like why does the kid get left behind and all that stuff, like the one thing I think we have to have is that like because like what what is that kid's struggle? Like it kind of has to be his fault, right? On some level, like he, you know, gets into trouble or hides. But I think what it should be is not that the kid is a jerk and not that the kid, you know, like gets sent to his room like Kevin did. But I think it should be that he is afraid. Like he he's afraid of things, and I think what it should be is there's a bear. This is this is weird, but there's a bear that like kind of wanders their neighborhood, and he's scared of the bear because his older brother does tell him like, "Yeah, you better watch out. You know, you better not eat too much bacon. The bear will smell it and he'll eat you. You know, like something like that." And so the kid is like constantly hiding and thinks he's seeing things that he you know so he's just about the bear is a plot point that comes back later that the bear actually does appear and help them you know with the uh <laughs> with the you know all that scare stuff but off I, I, a couple of the bandits yeah, scare off a couple of them you know whatever because i i just think like that would be it's a different element like Kevin had that, but it wasn't like right. so. Because Jeremy, you even said like he was hiding under a pile of blankets. So to me, that's kind of where it fits in. You know, it was like the family was getting ready to leave, and he gets scared because he thinks he sees the bear off in the distance, and then he runs away. And but like his his bag or something makes it into the car, and that's that's how they say, "Oh no, he's here! Look, here's here's the stuff." And and like they think he's oh no, they think he's hiding under a blanket in the back seat. But it's really just a blanket over his, his over his bag, yeah. luggage, yeah. And then he really is under a blanket, but in the house. There we go. So um, now, talk to me a little bit more about the how we think they're going. Like I, I still don't hundred percent understand. So like you're thinking like old man McAllister here. Kevin is kind of a crazy guy. Watches over in the neighborhood. Thinks everybody's going to get robbed. Is he living like in a nice house or does he live in a shack adjacent to all of this? And he's just kind of crazy vigilante for the neighborhood. Like uh, I, I, I'm trying to understand what his relationship is to the people who vacation there or whatever it is. Right. I would think it's more of like a, a caretaker's cabin rather than an actual like big cabin that could be rented out and is his job like is he kind yeah. of like security yeah. should we make probably okay. perfect probably it's the caretaker. security yeah 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 and the but he is of... and he's afraid of living life and all of that and the kid is afraid of of what's out there and, and the unknown so they help each other to gain courage and exactly. and take take your life back type of thing uh but i do love the concept of having now the outdoors to work with and snow and stuff like that too which they had in the first film you know in the second film all that but i just i like the idea that 
that the booby traps and things wouldn't just be in the house, you know, and there'd probably actually be a lot less of it in the house to at a certain point, you know, like I, I would imagine that wouldn't really, cause they're not after just like, I mean, they are after, they are trying to rob a house, but it's not, you know, multiple houses. But I think like, uh, I, I guess we should ask again now, are we saying that Harry and Marv are going to be there or do they come later? Well, they can't cause it's snowed in. So they have to be there. Right, with right. their whole team. I mean, they could right? be revealed later, I suppose. But yeah. Well, and then what if even like, because I'm just thinking, just for logistic wise, is that especially with him being a caretaker, is that if this is maybe not a resort, but if it's like a cabin, like a like a like all of the cabins are connected. Like he is the caretaker of like six cabins or whatever. So that gives them like, and that's what gets snowed in. It's like on a mountaintop or something like that. Yeah. So it's okay. like, it's got a, as opposed to this entire neighborhood that he's got to take care of all of these houses. I'm just thinking like a smaller scope of like a resort or a something like that gives them a, a, and then that could be, you know, Marvin's cruise destination. Okay. So uh, is there for you guys, is there any particular, type of trap or anything you're imagining right now i mean obviously i threw the bear in but the bear is kind of like a a wild card that you know the deus ex machina at the end i guess well but, uh, obviously you'd have to have one of the bandits uh tied to a tree and honey smeared on them and that's where it comes <laughs> in. Um, yes I do see Daniel Stern running away from a bear with his, he does the best screams and the best scared face. Those are those best. There's gotta be something involving fire um, or at least hot things. Yeah. Like Uh, it's gotta be some sort of like, like a furnace explodes or something, or maybe it should be something. I don't know. Like, again, if these are kind of higher end homes or whatever cabins, I feel like one of those, uh, those heating pillars, you know, that are on like restaurant patios, there's got to yeah. be something with that, you know, where like, oh, yeah. I don't know, where it toasts them or like, you know, he just like cranks it up and it just, you know, bakes them in their clothes or something. Right. I don't know. It's like like he douses their clothes with something and then it like, it like, I don't know, dries it out or superheats it. And I'm trying to think like, yeah, they go to, I mean, they maybe go to just popcorn. It. Yeah. Yeah. Like, like if that's like honey goes on there. He does honey on them or like. Maybe you get maybe you get like a syrup, you know. Not, it's not, I guess it is syrup. You get syrup from a tree, can't you? Like how do they do it? No, it's yeah, not, sure. Yeah. So they Maple so they syrup. tap it, you know, and it's like su- a super tap that then Shazza, they they throw popcorn <laughs> on him, and then he puts him near the heater thing, and it's exploding. I don't know. Or BBs, maybe he throws BBs on instead, and they're exploding. Yeah. Well, that know. was that was even what I was thinking as as part of kind of like again because this is Kevin teaching. What do we say his name is Jackson? Jake, Jackson, whatever. Jake, Jackson. Liam, Lucas. <laughs> Liam, yeah. uh, teaching him um, like how to stand up for himself and stuff like that. So I kind of, I kind of like the idea that Kevin has like his go-to or his like his like old bag of tricks, and so uh, he might bust out the old like um, flame th- or blowtorch on the doorstop or whatever, and then Jake, Jackson, Liam, whatever. Uh, is the one that maybe he comes up, well, what if we tried, and that's kind of him coming out of his shell as he comes up with the new ideas that maybe Kevin, you know, hadn't thought of before. Yeah. 
Yeah, I, I like that. The innovation. Yeah, like Kevin's stuff works to a point, but now Harry and Marv are so wise to it. Oh, like in the yeah. second one, they tried they tried to be wise to it, but they still didn't quite get it. But now they've had years of like, whatever this kid throws at me, he's never gonna, you know. So yeah, so that Jackson is the one that has to tell like, oh this this, and he stands up, saves the day. I like it. Now the other element the we have to throw in here. I know there's. I don't know. I guess we can't do it without internet, but I was just going to say like, it's like you want to have some type of like YouTube video that has these quotes or this conversation happening, like the angels with filthy souls films, you know, like there's gotta be something that he could use like that, but maybe like instead, like it ends up getting used on like Kevin or something that scares him. Like, I don't know. Like there's gotta be some like twist on that, on that concept. Or maybe he just has like, like, a talking toy of some sort, you know, that really, I don't know. I'm, I'm trying to I'm like, almost like, uh, you know, they have those interactive toys right now, like Skylanders and these other like little, there's like this Disney system where like it kind of, you play it online, but you have figures that go with it. Anyway, I don't know. I just try to think of something where yeah. you, know, you could still have the, that. The new that creepy what if, Furbies. See, that's what I was thinking about. I don't, I don't know if Furbies are, are as in anymore, but where they teach a Furby to do something and then it says something on cue or whatever. Well, maybe it should just be an app on his phone, but it, he could do like voice modification on like Yeah, the... but there's no real phone access. Well, that's, that's what I'm saying, it's but it's, all, app, it's just it's downloaded right. to yeah. his phone. It could be a t- downloaded to his tablet, you know, so like, and maybe he hits it by accident trying to make a call, and then he's reminded he has it, and then it comes up later, he uses it, you know. But it's maybe like some type of, yeah, I'm just trying to think of like who who it could be used on. And maybe it's, you know, like, I, I'm just trying to imagine what would scare the crooks, you know what I'm saying, if they really believe that nobody's there. And everybody's gone for the season. But anyway, something something to work out. Just saying. That's that's my studio note. We gotta that's, have that. That's why we pay writers. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, yeah, but I don't know. That yeah, it sounds like a lot of fun. Now I'm curious to know, you know, casting wise. Um, obviously, you know, Macaulay Culkin, Daniel Stern, Joe Pesci. Do we want to have any other, like? Like at the end, like when Kevin is ready to rejoin the world, like does he have like a reunion with his family? Like like maybe like, you know, they give him a ride back or something. I don't know. Like I'm just trying to think of like how how Kevin's story could be resolved and what members of the family we want to bring back, if that makes sense. Hmm. Because, like, you know, you want to say, oh, yeah, Kevin's happy now because he beat Harry and Marv again. You know, it's like that's not really it. Like, his point is no, he's supposed to exactly. come be a whole, you know, a whole person again. Um, but maybe it's I, just, you know. I would think, yeah, that either um, if you wanted the premise, which, again, uh, it's so difficult. I, I mean, I don't know how sometimes they do it where they take a very dark thing and they don't make it come across as dark like don't tell mom the babysitter's dead Um, (laughs) but to make something where like if his family was gone or I mean I guess that just means dead there's nowhere else they could go Um, but again I don't know how you don't make that grim and like yeah my family all died in a plane crash well I I think maybe it's this they 
So then this new family like adopts him and he joins them. Or it could end with, yeah, him being reunited or calling mom or whatever. Well, I think I, this is what I just realized what could work is I like your idea, Jeff. They adopt him. He comes to have Christmas with them. And then but the kid has been telling Kevin the whole time because Kevin probably tells him how terrible Buzz is and all these other things. And maybe the kid gives him the same speech he gave to old man Marley about why don't you just call him? You know, I'm sure they'd love to hear from you. And Kevin says, you know, they call me every year and I just don't take their calls. I'm just not ready for it. And when he goes to the kid's hat with, you know, Jackson, Jake, whoever, for, for Christmas, the kid calls for him. And then some of the family shows up on the doorstep and they have the reunion. So maybe Catherine O'Hara is there with, with Buzz and Big Pete. <laughs> you know, maybe, maybe they just, that, you know, there's just something like that, the mom and the dad and, and Buzz or whatever. And then now Kevin is, you know, drives off with them and the kid gets to give him the wave out the window and life is good you know something like that yeah something you like, like that might work yeah. and they have like a new year's eve kind of yeah with everybody yeah yeah that could be good because yeah we want it to be heartwarming obviously and uh, harry and marv uh are we just saying they end up back in uh back in jail again and there's just i'm just trying to think of like a crazy ending for them. Like, obviously, we don't want him to die. That's not funny. But um, I'm just trying to think. Like, well, we I need guess, uh, yeah. we need Marv's wife to come and collect him, right? <laughs> <laughs> Missy Pyle giving some continuity, stepping through <laughs> well, it. Some would that alternate be continuity? Dimension. No, I know that would be the opposite. <laughs> yeah, that I don't know. I, I break the break the movie exactly. I wonder if they should just, uh, I don't know, like, like, is it not satisfying? If what if they do get chased off, like by the bear, like, you know, Marv gets carried off by the bear and, you know, and Harry, like maybe they both just get dragged off and then they're just at the end of the movie. They're like in a cave, you know, freezing, got icicles hanging off their nose. You know, there's a bear watching them, you know, and they're trying to like make some sort of, I don't know, like uh you know, just some plan that, you know, like to get past the bear, but the bear keeps threatening them, you know, just something cartoony, but goofier than just them going to prison. Cause I feel like, eh, okay, there they go again, you know? Yeah. And then that opens it for another sequel. (laughs) But, but the other guys go to prison. The ones they hire do get. Right. Yeah. All right. So let's talk about casting then crew wise like the again the the criminals that are hiring we want to say they have like three people they hired does that sound good or just two more maybe so it's kind of like analogs to them maybe like i'm just trying I to think like, like three the number five seems like a good because you're right like i don't feel like if there was two and two then it's just like yeah they have their foils but if it's uh-huh. five then it's like so then Harry could be the leader and then Marv is his number two. And then they've got, you know, a crew of five. Yeah. And then, so, but, you know, casting wise, then are there, are there, is there anybody in particular, like again, comedic actors, maybe with a broader range, you know, that you would want to bring into, into the mix here? Well, do you want to do the whole, like, we need a one guy who's good at tech stuff and one guy who's, you know, the cat burglar one or a muscle. Yeah, because that, that could help us narrow it down if we wanted to do roles. Yeah. Um, yeah, because I see what you say. Like, you know, like 
I, I guess what I'm trying to figure out is like how much how much that would matter because you know what I'm saying like because Harry and Barb are just like we just rob things but I guess what you're saying is maybe they decide they need to up their game and hire people with skills to work with them so um, yeah like I almost like the idea of like uh, like a guy who claims to be like uh, like claims to be really good at tech stuff but he's actually not you know what I'm saying like he's just speaking techno babble and they don't know anything so they you know they just take his word for it so I, I think that's funny and he's and he kind of like weasels his way in he's like yeah you need me yeah you're gonna have to get past those security systems like they might have a you know whatever a Krell Star 5000 system and whatever. Um, so, yeah, who do we think for tech savvy goofball? Hmm. That way, that makes more. What about Channing Tatum? <laughs> no, no, no. Ah, oh, come on now. <laughs> uh, I do think his cohort I mean I, I feel like I always want him in a movie but he's just he's hilarious and I feel like I don't see him enough now but Jonah, Jonah Hill? Hill yeah I think he would make a great because oh. I always think about him just in his mo- his moments in uh, Night at the Museum was that three? Was he in two or three that he had his cameo? But um, I just think like I like the idea of him just being like kind of immature attitude guy who just can't believe what's happening to him as opposed to like a bumbling idiot. He's just like, he's just so overwhelmed that this kid is getting the best of him. And he's just got a lot of one liners he throws out constantly. You know, he's just like all attitude, I guess is how I feel about him. That would would work pretty well. I feel like the tough thing is though, too, is that at this point, if he was in it, then he would upstage Joe Pesci and, and and Daniel Stern. Everyone would be more impressed with Jonah Hill being in it than either of them two. Well, in a way, you kind of want them to pass it on. Yeah. You, you, it, well, but not... We can work it so that it's balanced. Yeah. I don't know. In, I just feel way... like he's... he's, he's not, and, and, and again, I mean, you know, my own personal feelings about him aside, just like he's he's a big deal now. He's a big... It's like Channing Tatum, you know, if you... I mean, they're in <laughs> movies together. So you're that thinking like more, more of like a character actor that, that, would that be could my go initial to these roles. Or my that. flip, although now he is actually getting to be a bigger and bigger deal. My one thought was when you said the bumbling and that stuff was Casey Affleck is that he seems to have a little bit of the bumbling bit about him. But I feel like he's so much like even his comedy stuff is kind of like laced with drama is my only thought. Like, like I wonder if he huh. would go all in for something like that or not, you know? Huh. But I like, I mean, cause he's great. He's a weird quirky guy, which I like, uh, but he's, is he the right type of quirky for this, for this film? You know? Um, okay. Well then why don't we get Stephen Baldwin? <laughs> That is weird. Fresh from Biodome. Uh, I, I feel like that gives too much of a direct-to-video vibe, though. When you get Stephen Baldwin in there, you're like, oh, okay, this guy whose career Isn't that is more nowhere. Billy Baldwin, though. Well, but Billy Baldwin's failed Alec Baldwin. Stephen Baldwin was always the goofy Baldwin. You know, he did did Polly Shore movies and stuff. You know what I'm saying? And so, like, that's a. I, I guess I feel like. But now, like, you haven't heard from him in so long. It's like, I don't know about bringing him up. Unless, am I missing something? Has he done something recently? 
No, no. (laughs) I mean, he would give a good, uh, I guess, counterpart to the guy I'm thinking. Um, I'm sending it to you in the Facebook group. Uh um, Because I didn't recognize him by name. I only recognize him by face. And it's Walton Gogan. Oh, I've heard of this guy, Walton Goggins. Oh. Yeah, he can do absolutely out. anything. Throw him exactly. anywhere. Exactly. <laughs> Done. Done. That's all you had to say, man. So I love him. him. And then let's get him a wacky counterpart. Oh, he's plenty wacky, my friends. <laughs> I know. And then just uh, we probably need to diversify a little bit. And. What kind of female actresses can we (laughs) Mark Ruffalo. Uh, Should we we add a female thief into the crew? or They they did that in three, and it's okay, I guess. But it it was kind of weird watching her getting smacked around. Not only that, but I wouldn't think Marv and and, uh, um, Harry, they wouldn't work well with with the ladies. (laughs) You know who would actually be interesting to throw in there is Seth Green. I wonder, because he, yeah. he, I mean, because he could be like the, I don't, I almost feel like he could be the, the little guy who gets into things. You know, and he, like, he kind of played like the tech guy in, uh, yeah. what, the Italian job. So he's yeah. done that sort of thing. But I feel like he could even go a little bit beyond in this and be funny. And maybe somebody else, like, uh, like, I don't know. Maybe he's not the right fit for this, but like Thomas Lennon, you know, from Reno 911 and the state and things like that. Cause he, he plays a lot of kind of, you know, supporting little, you know, comedic cameo roles, uh, but he's not like, he's never like the huge star. You know what I mean? He's not the, yeah. he's not the leading man necessarily. Um, Topher Grace. So Topher Grace. Topher Grace would actually be good, but I, 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 because why not? But I feel like he might be too close to the Seth Green age yeah. and style. Because <laughs> that's, that's what I'm saying. You get Walter Goggins, you get an old guy who thinks he's got, you know, some something to, to prove. Then you get like a younger guy like Seth Green. And I'm trying to think of now like a middle aged comedic actor. No, I like Thomas Lennon. I think that's a good, yeah. I think those three of those, although I would say Walton Goggins, I think Seth Green's older than he is. So, oh, uh, really? I don't think he's that Maybe old. I'm thinking of somebody else. He doesn't look, I don't, he, yeah. Um, okay. Yeah. I, it's possible. I was thinking of somebody else. Right. But I think, yeah, you throw the three of those together with Marv and, and Harry. I think you got a good crew. Oh yeah. Okay. Yeah, definitely. I don't know. He's, he's still got an older look to him though, regardless, but okay. Yeah. But I think that could be pretty fun. Um, as far as the kid goes, have you guys seen any great, uh, kid actors right now that you feel like would fit? Cause what, what age range are we thinking? Like a nine, 10 year old, just like the yeah, original, probably, probably nine, 10, 11, somewhere in there. Yeah. Cause originally I was going to be like, you know, grab one of the kids from stranger things. Cause they're all, they're all great. Um, but they... <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. They, they, they had charisma. I like, I liked them. Um, the, the one, like, you know, it, it's because I'm watching Fuller house right now. Um, but I, there's this little kid who I don't think he's great, 
but I almost feel like he would have almost like the attitude you'd expect from, is, is from this like type the, of character. He's, he's a kid who acts. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. He just seems like the classic Hollywood kid with attitude, smarter, you know, than his years type of thing uh, that, that would kind of fit in well. as like the new face of a franchise. Like he could do it and, you know, grow into it. His name is Elias Harger. Um, so he, he might be of interest that might, might be in the running. He's not a redhead. I apologize. Right. That's, but, um, <laughs> that's not a sticking point, but. <laughs> and you just spray know. it, you know. Right. Yep. You can just go the Dennis the Menace route. Just die. Yeah, it's like all all the kid actors I know I feel like are much older at this point. And you know, again, you you could you may end up with an unknown in that role too, just like Macaulay Culkin essentially was, you know, until he hit the big time in that. But because it is a big film to throw on a kid's shoulders, but the good news is it's kind of balanced, right? Because more more people are looking for Joe Pesci, Daniel Stern, and Macaulay Culkin coming back then yeah. who's this new kid but hopefully he's you know got enough to to Carry do it his so own weight yeah yeah but that's what i said this kid at least has the screen presence and charisma to give you something that uh people would latch on to so all right anybody any surprise cameos we want to throw in there anybody else we think should be uh should be brought into into the fold like i just wonder like the kid's family like his parents would probably be minor roles, but do you feel like you want to bring just a favorite pair of actors into the into the mix? Um, because Catherine O'Hara did bring a lot of heart to the film. Yeah, like you felt well, bad. I feel like, you know? and I feel like that element was important to the reality of the mom try, like feeling so bad and trying so hard to get back to her son. And that that would be my thought is that if we have, you know, the, the van that's stuck and whatever, is that the dad would be kind of like, let's get us out of this. And maybe the mom, again, would like trudge her way through the snow to get back up there or something like that. And so to have. Well, yeah, I, I, I was thinking of somebody like Amy Adams, I think, would be good maybe in that role. Uh, I mean, I, I, I feel think like that's kind of a little little too heavy handed. Because so. <laughs> we, we'd be drawing too much away from the focus. I would but say you just cut away, right? Like it just, it's not the whole thing, but you have to know the family cares. But you're saying she's too big right. a star, too big to put yeah. at that role. Okay, okay. I can get. By I that, I yeah. would probably say you're looking at probably the the best combination that keeps getting put together on film right now is not Drew Barrymore and Adam Sandler, but. <laughs> Paul Rudd and Leslie Mann. Yeah, okay. Uh, but again, I wonder if I think I feel like Paul Rudd's too big at this point. Like yeah. he used and to be kind of the guy that was just on the edge, but yeah. And then people are going to be like, "Is this the Judd Apatow film?" Right. Well, what if we do? <laughs> I mean, it... is it? Judd Apatow directs. Um, we we could. And oh, then just no. fill some of the other kids' roles with the Apatow kids. <laughs> well, what if instead of because wasn't her husband in uh, wasn't her husband in Jurassic World the guy from the Office? Are you t- Chris Pratt? 
No, no, no. no. Um, <laughs> in Jurassic, it was um um what's Krasinski, his name? David Wallace. Oh. No, come on, people. He was the he was the boss from the office, like the boss boss. The guy with the glasses. I'm pretty sure that was his her her husband in Jurassic Dwight? World. No. My gosh, people. <laughs> Did you ever watch The Office? Sorry, oh. I wasn't uh an every episode watcher. Every yeah, episode. I... <laughs> oh, what's his name? Wait, you're on, saying it's on. Leslie Mann's husband? Who's 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 husband? Yeah, in Jurassic World, isn't that Leslie Mann that played Kitty? No, from... I don't believe That's not so. Mann. No, no, no. Le- Leslie Mann is like going on forty. She was in, you know, she's in all the Judd Apatow films because she isn't she Judd Apatow's oh, wife? Oh, yeah, she's yeah. Judd Apatow's okay. wife. Yeah. No, I'm thinking of the other gal that I always get the two confused with. Um, <laughs> but either way, he would still work as a as a as a husband. Husband. Um, it is. Wait, you're talking about the guy from New Girl? No. Who was the guy wearing the Jurassic Park shirt in Jurassic World? Bryce Bryce Dallas Howard? No, Andy (laughs) Buckley is his name. Andy Buckley played David Wallace, a recurring fictional character in the American comedy series The Office, portrayed by Andy Buckley. (laughs) Chief Financial (laughs) Officer of Dunder Mifflin. Okay. And he was... was he was the dad or the estranged uh, dad. Uh, I don't know who you're talking about now. He is great. You're right, actually. Thank you. He Even would be a good fit. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> but he is, yeah, he is forgettable, he which is what makes him good for this whole. suck cut or whatever. <laughs> suck it or whatever it was. No, you didn't watch it. <laughs> yeah, that guy was good, though. No, yeah, he, he'd be a good fit. Andy Buckley for the dad. And then... I mean, or we could get that gal who is she like literally she she was the mom in in Ant Man. She was the mom in in Jurassic World. Right, and that's who I thought you, you were know, like, talking about. Judy Greer. Yeah, yeah there she those, is. Yeah, those those two sometimes get mixed up. That's what I was yeah. thinking, you Matt. But either yeah, one, I'm fine with either one. But but I I feel like I want a warmer mom. Now. I always feel like she's kind of I don't know like nasally like even when she's even she's tried to it's be asked to dress world junior comes off kind of yeah kind of kind of i don't know what it is about her she's a little harsh she's just um, still she's still kitty from uh, uh, arrest uh, yeah <laughs> um i don't know it, it's it's a minor role we're, we're going out but i just feel like it's something that it it matters to the film just like i say because it it, it connects you to the family and to the kid and to you know that they care about him um so i don't know I, I was almost trying to think of like a some like tv actress that maybe could you know could give something um you know but hmm. whatever happened to what was her name that played felicity oh yeah Carrie. yeah i know what you're talking about yeah, yeah she could she could work because she was in uh i mean last thing i saw her in was uh top uh, mission impossible three <laughs> so it's wow. been a while but hmm. yeah carrie russell would be good though, i think yeah carrie russell come on yeah let's do that carrie russell for the mom and uh andy buckley for the dad oh it's she's on the americans pairing, now but so whatever. she's on tv she's <laughs> The Americans yeah, are kind of a big deal. And she was in Dawn of Planet of the Apes. <laughs> oh. 
Oh, good. Well, I think we got it. I mean, I think casting wise, but directing wise, do we, I mean, do we, do we want this to have a signature stamp of a particular director or do we feel like it, it like, you know, cause I don't know. I don't, I don't know if you want to go like Adam McKay. Cause he's like Will Ferrell, you know, is all he does seemingly uh, Will Ferrell movies, but they seem to do well, you know? So I wonder uh, what other, you know, comedic directors we would trust with this, you know, bringing it back, you know, because, you know, and Judd Apatow did, he was at least involved in bringing Pee Wee Herman back, Pee Wee's, you know, big holiday. Um, well, I'd, any say, other... I'd say, too, like, if the heart, because that was the thing, too, that I felt was lacking eventually was, you know, one thing that Chris Columbus does very well is he gets kind of that mood that goes for the 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 heart of the the the, the picture um, yeah. even over the comedy necessarily whereas judd apatow i don't think he does he, he's he's going for comedy first and heart is down there on the list somewhere yeah um, and, and, and when he does you do need to be he gets careful because uh, chris columbus did direct the second movie Right. And I feel like that's where it, and the, that was the thing that the comedy was somewhat lacking in the second movie because they were so focused on, well, we got to make sure we have the same heart of that, you know, again. And same thing with Harry Potter. Like when he did the first two Harry Potters, they, you know, it got a lot darker when he left. Like he was very, you know, oh, no, this is a wonderful place. Well, yeah. also Dumbledore well, changed, so. Right. But, but, right. but I also think maybe that is a good idea, maybe to bring back Chris Columbus, just because of the concept also of, you know, Mac is back, you know, which is obviously probably how they would be promoting it. And uh, and you get Chris Columbus in there, they enjoy, like, like on the commentary for the film, like they really enjoyed each other and, and they had a lot of fun making oh. the film. So it right. feels like, you know, he could probably bring it back and, and give it what we loved about it, you know. Um, well, then let's he, do it. Yeah, let's bring him, let's back. Bring him back. Yeah. So, All right. There it is. Uh, and then, as far as title, do we need a title for this film? Is it? Would it what, did you have one again? I, I can't I remember. Did. Home Alone it Again. It's right? called Home Alone Again. No service. No service. <laughs> oh, that's great. And something like that. Yeah. Unless we just want to make it as simple as possible. Home Alone snowed in just leave it there you know so that it's not because like the again part i feel like almost sounds like people would say it with a groan home alone again oh. <laughs> you know or if it's but just the, home alone no service yeah because I, I do feel like that yeah. yeah i feel like because i was thinking about it because again it has been so long that an entire generation doesn't even know anything about home alone so that we could almost just call it home alone but there are enough of us 30-somethings out there that still know it so well that, you know, we need a little separation. Right. We don't want to end up calling it uh, Home Alone 2018 or whatever. Like, yeah, there's right. so many. Mm -hmm. So. Right. One thing I do have to mention, though, is, like, did you guys I, – I didn't notice this until I started researching for the show. But did you see that Home Alone has a lowercase e? 
on the end on the posters and i'm like yeah. i don't know why like like it doesn't that. mean anything and it doesn't <laughs> affect the look of it you know what i'm saying so i was like why did they do that so we could do home alone with the capital e on the end <laughs> this, this uh, looks yeah. different somehow see? don't you don't you see it's a yeah anyway Something it's the beginning of a new era right. uppercase e's yeah everything is lowercase except for the e whoa yeah. that weird see <laughs> we're, we're clever no anyway no that's not what that is so all right well yeah, cool yeah they didn't they didn't even name home alone the holiday heist as home alone five yeah so i mean we would be completely ignoring those calling them elseworld or whatever and <laughs> ignoring three four and five uh well good well cool so this is last show of the year uh so it's been a great 2016 we've had some uh some changes to the show you know uh but we have a lot of interesting uh adventure coming up for the for 2017 we have quite a few shows in the archive that we're going to be peppering throughout but in addition, we'll be uh, bringing you fresh new content, also with some guest hosts coming up, um, so that you you can look forward to uh, hearing some fresh voices, some new uh, attitudes and ideas. Uh, and if you want to be a part of it, don't forget. You know, we're we're always uh, willing to to take a suggestion. You can send it to sequelquestpod at gmail um, and keep an eye on the social media too, because uh, we're going to be putting the feelers out to you and you can send us messages that way because uh, there's a lot of clever people out there that we'd love to ha have in on the conversation give us a little something extra we uh we wish you all happy holidays from the sequel quest crew and uh well this house this podcast is so full of people it makes me sick when i grow up and start a podcast i'm recording alone do you hear me I'm recording alone. I'm recording alone. I don't know if that's a good ending or not. Ah, <laughs> humbug. <laughs> All right, that sounds good. We thank you for joining us for this episode of Sequel Quest P.O.D. We hope you'll return next time when we discuss another film that never was. For more made-up movie fun, visit SequelQuestPod.com to see the schedule of films to be discussed in upcoming episodes, fan art submissions, and more. Follow us on Twitter at SQPod and share your ideas on our Facebook page. The films and characters discussed on Sequel Quest POD are the property of their respective studios and license holders. No copyright infringement is intended. <laughs>